0: Today's program is part of a special series brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and Every Neighborhood Partnership with funding provided by ACEs Aware. Together we are working to raise awareness about the effects of adverse childhood experiences in hopes of building a healthier community and a brighter future for our children. Dr. B explains the importance of acknowledging our stressors of the past in order to thrive in the present. Plus, she shares practical tips for coping through challenging times and building greater resiliency so you and your family can enjoy a healthier and more fulfilling life.
1: Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with
0: Dr. B. Where
1: we explore human resiliency
0: and learn how people thrive even after adversity.
1: We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today.
0: What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's
2: episode. Here's Dr. B. Hey everybody, it's Dr. B, good morning. It's so good to be here with you again. In today's episode, we're gonna be talking about neuroception and understanding the polyvagal system. If you're interested in furthering this conversation, contact me at www.drbconnections.com. That's my website and you can find some contact information there. So let's get started.
1: All right ladies and gents put your nerd glasses on. We're about ready to uh, hop into some lovely fun scientific things that are going to end up being a practice in resilience and how to self-regulate. Dr. B, how are you this morning?
2: I'm great. I am. I I love that it's Friday. I love that it's spring. It's oh, going to be a hot weekend in California and so Ooh. I'm I'm feeling good getting a lot of good stuff awesome. done. How are you? Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Tomorrow, uh, we're. I'm, I'm going over to my parents' house, and we're going to be um, cutting and stacking wood. So that oh. is something that I love. I love doing it. I so. was
2: going to say most people would think, "Oh, that's a drag," but really, in the grand oh. scheme of things, it's like gardening.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah.
2: It's one of those things for sure. So cool, yeah, for nice, sure.
1: for sure, awesome. So we are talking about some strange words today. Can you can you help us that are not as educated as you tell us tell us what we're talking about today exactly
2: well we're talking about in the most simplest terms that self-regulation you know our body can get way ahead of us or shut down on us but neuroception is sort of like the perception of our neuro system or our neuro awareness so Mm That's really what we're talking about in the most simplest word it, ways with words that we all kind of understand. So it's like mm-hmm. detecting our awareness of any situation and how our body does that especially mm-hmm. without our mind's permission.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So that, that's what neuroception is.
2: That's what neuroception is. Okay. Yes.
1: So with my limited understanding, so we, we typically have our parasympathetic nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system. The way I remember that is it's opposite than what I think because I think of sympathetic as like, Aw. yeah, but it's, it's not. Sympathetic is fight or flight and parasympathetic is rest and digest. Can you give us some like examples of when those two systems are activated?
2: So our parasympathetic and our sympathetic nervous system are on are turned on all the time really. So but when they get activated, that's when things happen. So when you get that feeling of fear and you don't necessarily know why, that's the activation of your sympathetic nervous system. And it can happen in so many different ways at at so many different times and we're completely or very unconscious of what's going on. The the sensation in our bodies and our response in our bodies happens long before whatever it is that set that off comes into consciousness in our mind. So when you get goosebumps, when you feel the hair on the back of your neck tingle, when you feel like you have eyes in the back of your head or somebody is staring at you from behind, or when you feel like, oh, my stomach is feeling nervous, like I've got butterflies, but I'm not sure why. Just just an overarching, uncomfortable feeling that doesn't necessarily have an obvious explanation is your sympathetic nervous system being activated. And it's saying, especially dependent on the severity of the threat, it comes online very quick it 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 activates very quickly because remember our brain is in service of survival our brain and our body and so if mm-hmm. it if we had to wait for conscious awareness of these things we would already be eaten by the lion
1: i mean it's it's the you put your hand close to a hot object and you your hand jets Jets? What is that?
2: <laughs> I know what you meant. Like your hand jets Gosh. your hand does this. Yeah. You don't think about yeah. it. It is kind of yeah, jets yeah. back. It jets back. Yeah, okay. I knew what yeah, you meant so, when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I'll, my I'll hand just, do that.
1: <laughs> I'll roll I'll roll with it. Uh, okay. it jets back because it senses, mm, danger is impending. Let's let's Respond before you're consciously aware that you're close to something hot.
2: That is the mo. That's a perfect example because nobody stops and holds their hand there and thinks, "Huh, feels like my hand's getting warm. Maybe it's burning. It pretty much hurts. <laughs> my hand is gone and on fire."
1: Yeah. Before yeah. they
2: move it. It, it, it's happened, and then you think about it, but you don't think about it while you're holding it there, and that saves right. us from injury okay. and harm. Mm-hmm. Which is what we're all about, is saving us from injury and harm, Mm -hmm. especially, I'm going to jump to the children thing because this is my, you know, when we think about Mm -hmm. babies and young children and parents and adults and society, if we can raise children where we help them be aware of their impending harm and be able to be conscious around those kinds of things, then that is building resilience for them. We're building Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. a system of resilience to protect them from things that are dangerous by allowing them to know it's okay to not know.
1: It's teaching children to pay attention to their sympathetic nervous system and know how to interact with it. And then also training them how to step into their parasympathetic nervous system and practice that as well.
2: Yes. And to really, because the parasympathetic nervous system has, we have the, the ventral vagal system, and then we have the dorsal vagal system. And if you think of the ventral vagal system as, I like to say V for very good, just V, it makes it easier to remember. And I think of dorsal vagal system as the dorsal fin of a shark. It's dangerous, or D for dangerous. And when we are feeling connected and loved, and in you know, play playful and happy and and connect, just again self regulated, then we're in our very good parasympathetic system. And when Mm -hmm. we can interact with that and we can engage it and we learn skills to bring that into our consciousness, how much, like, how wonderful is that? Mm -hmm. When Mm -hmm. we experience our dorsal vagal system, that's like being in the ocean and a shark all of a sudden swims around you. Mm -hmm. You're like panicked and Mm -hmm. you just go into mode of, I gotta get out of here and, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And you're probably not even going to remember how you went from the water to the sand because right. it happened so fast because it has to in order to save right. you and protect you. <laughs> yeah. Now, Yeah. we get into these situations where people are locked into that space and that's when people actually disassociate. I mean, if you're stuck... Mm-hmm. In a dorsal vagal experience that you cannot escape, your body's response to escaping it is to allow your brain and body to disconnect from each other. And wow. that, that that's heavy trauma. Like that's the heavy maximum trauma. that's the maximum mm-hmm. trauma. What a great system, I mean, in a weird way, to say, oh, my gosh, my body actually has a plan for something so awful that it will allow us to disconnect for a while. Yeah. It's weird.
1: Somehow, thank you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The ventral vagal system is our neuroception of safety. How safe do we feel? And that's, you know, in our heart. And we read the ventral vagal experience a lot of times through watching people's faces and we Mm. show people their safety with us through our facial expressions because we have lots of muscles and nerve endings in our face so when you think micro emotions think about things that we say And really, we're expressing through a facial expression over the words. Mm -hmm, Your your face is very revealing in how you feel about a situation, both as the receiver and as the deliverer. We're not necessarily Mm -hmm. aware that we're saying, oh, I'm really happy. Right,
1: Right, right. Even if you didn't understand anything we just said, scientifically speaking, basically you have a system that helps keep you safe. Sometimes that's great and sometimes that's harmful. So with moving into more practical ways of tapping into this and understanding this and working with this, where do we go from here?
2: Well, where do we go from here? First, we have to understand it within ourselves because we can't teach it to somebody else or we can't teach somebody how to know us or respond to us unless we understand how to respond to ourselves. So, we have to understand that self-regulation, which means calming ourselves down and recognizing when we are activated in a in a stress response, you know, loop of some kind, whether it's very very serious toxic stressful situation or a, a positive stressful situation like oh my gosh you know it's friday and i'm gonna go chop wood on the weekend like that's a positive mm. str- you know it's gonna be a it's gonna be work but it's also a and its situation and it motivates you and you're excited so that's positive yeah. stress but that's that's the good kind that's the rejuvenating kind of stress that we want in mm-hmm. children's lives and people's lives and so and then there's tolerable stress and this is really where i think the polyvagal system dances around the most because it involves other people it involves the ability to neurocept to understand or intercept the feelings and the regulation system of another person. So when I'm distressed and feeling overwhelmed, if you're calm and I hug you or you hug me, then I can borrow your calm. You're sharing your mm-hmm. calm with me. So you are we are now becoming one neuroceptive system and mm-hmm. I didn't have to do anything other than allow you to share your system with me. So think wow. about children and babies and how we regulate their emotions by letting them borrow our regulated state and then informing them in age-appropriate ways as they become older or even even when talking to babies is fine, even though they don't necessarily talk back in the same language. Mm-hmm. But telling babies, I'm here for you and I'm going to keep you safe and it's okay for you to It's okay for you to go to sleep because I'm going to protect you. Saying these things to the baby actually is heard by their body and mind. And Mm -hmm. it does become neuro-linked in their brain that, you know, this is a person that I can be safe with. They may not ever understand how or why they feel that Mm -hmm. way towards that person. But in the grand scheme of things, I think... I'll use Charlie, my granddaughter, who I love to talk about as an example. I've been in Charlie's life since, you know, before she was born. And especially when she was first born, her dad worked out of town. And so her mom and her stayed with me. My daughter and and Charlie stayed with me in, you know, her first six, eight weeks of life. And so Charlie was very, 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 and has always been very close to me they all are but and i would say things to her like you know like that you know i'm going to hold you and it, and if she cry 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 cried i would say it's okay to cry bb's here and i'm always going to protect you and da 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 mm. well now charlie's 6 you know she's 6 and she's sassy and she tells me things that <laughs> you yeah. know but she knows we were in the car the other day and she said to me Somehow she had heard about parents dying, and so she said to me, it was just her and I in the car, and she said, if my parents died, you would take care of me, right? And I said, well, of mm-hmm. course I would, you know. Of course I would take care of you if, if anything happened to your parents, but that's, you know, unlikely to happen. And she said, I know everybody would fight over me. <laughs> <laughs> I know everyone would fight over me, but... You would let me see them. And I said, of course, I would let you see, you know, everybody. You would still have relationships with all these people who love you and you know and you love them, but you would be the one to take care of me, right? Because because I've been, and and they're all wonderful people in her life, but I'm the only one that she's ever spent the night with and that she has this different kind of relationship with. It's interesting when we think about how she has no idea why she feels that way about our relationship Mm. differently than other grandparents that she has in her life who she is also very attached to and very loving and close to and would be fine with, you know. But in her little mind, there is this unconscious knowing that we have a a relationship that's a little bit different because of that Mm -hmm. super duper early, early experience. So now we can all be conscious of that, including the other potentially grandparents who, you know, she's like, I know you'd all fight over me. Okay. But we don't need to fight over you because we can all understand why this would be the best thing for you. Not for me. Mm -hmm. It's not the best thing for me. It's the best thing for her. If we all got into parenting, uh, you know, thinking about what's the best thing for our children and what's the best thing when we can talk about that, who's been in their lives, which is also why some of our systems need to change because they rip children out of families and put them in foster care without realizing that these children have a neuroceptive relationship with people who maybe have harmed them in some ways or put them at risk. But that Mm -hmm. is so much safer and providing protection around that relationship rather than ripping the relationship apart and then putting them into a hyper dorsal ventral vagal state with strangers who don't know them, who they don't know and can't read the scene.
1: Dr. B, like you mentioned before, an important part of knowing about these systems, but also knowing how to use them and practice them and know how to self-regulate. We have to learn how to do that for ourselves before we can do that for our kids and for the, the, the children that are around us. So yeah. what are some ways that you would suggest parents or, or people who have children in their life educate them about these sort of systems?
2: I think that we almost educate people about these systems, children in particular, in just our everyday language and experience. We use these words self-regulation with them in our parenting. We talk about mm-hmm. the disruption of our connection. You know, we don't talk about that. I'm so mad at you right now. That doesn't tell us anything about anything. But I feel like our connection's been disrupted. And I really, you know, we have such an important relationship together that we need to figure out how to get regulated with each other again. So words matter. You know, I say that all the time. And I think that when there's a disruption in a connection... That we need to be transparent and honest and reconnect that relationship Mm -hmm. in a way that acknowledges potentially our earlier trauma. Because most people have some trauma that does not allow them to reconnect easily or even be aware that they're disrupted in the first place.
1: So in my own work uh, with the Enneagram and just uh, just general self-development and and whatnot, I've run across several different strategies of helping what's called tone the vagus nerve. And we can get technical with with that sort of language, but really all it is, we've talked about self-regulation, but it's also being better at, at being comfortable with discomfort. Oh, yeah. Because really, we all have emotions, but we don't all feel our emotions. And the feeling, the bodily sensation of your emotions is the thing that we often don't like. And we keep perpetuating it because we keep perpetuating our stories about the bodily sensation. Mm-hmm. So toning your vagus nerve is is really just strengthening your ability to stay with the discomfort of the emotion. So if you're feeling sad, often for me, it's in the center of my chest. It's a burning, spacious, not a, not a good spacious. It's like a black hole kind of spacious.
0: hmm
1: Uh, a sucking burning feeling in my in the middle of my chest and i can knowing the stories around why that's happening very good there's a time and a place for for writing those things out for going to therapy all those things but to actually learn to deal with the emotion is dealing with the sensation of the emotion and feeling that and allowing that to be there and toning your vagus nerve and that self-regulation is understanding hey, this is a sensation that is happening in a specific part of my body. My big toe isn't feeling this sensation. Maybe I can go to my big toe and the sensation of my big toe and realize that, well, I am not my feelings, but this is something that is happening to my body. For some people, it fills up their entire body. And that's that's a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's then you need to have some self-soothing tactics to be involved. But a few ways that I have learned to increase my comfortability with discomfort is to put myself in certain situations, and we all do this on some level, that are slightly stressful, but still safe. Stressful, but safe.
2: I love and that. So
1: cold showers. I know we, we've <laughs> talked about this. this. It's not a pleasurable thing. But there's ways to work into it. Anyways, it, or, or any sort of cold weather, your body freaks out because it doesn't realize like, hey, I could just walk inside and be completely safe and warm. But the blood rushes from your extremities into your torso to protect your organs and all that other stuff. So taking cold showers uh, helps give you that stress, but it's safe. Right. And, and learning to just feel the sensation and not tie the story of I wish I was warm to it. Yeah. Um, and there are ways to step into that where you do 10 seconds warm, 20 seconds cold or, or some sort of variation, some back and forth that also helps the, the flexing of the blood vessels to help circulation as well. So if you have generally cold hands and cold feet, then this is going to help because it's going to help get the blood circulating more efficiently when you're not doing that particular exercise. Anyways. There's a lot of different things, singing, chanting, doing exercises, laughing, meditation, like the cold exposure thing. There's, there's lots of different things that you can do. You can look it up online to help increase your resiliency in situations where that really count in the emotional arena. Uh, when you are triggered, you already know, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know this is just a stress response. This is just a sensation in my body. And I can do this. I can I can feel this. I'm safe. I have what it takes to deal with what's coming up.
2: Man, Seth, I love that whole that whole piece. That whole spiel. I mean, I love what you just (laughs) said. And it is so important and powerful. And I swear, when we talked about the cold shower thing, I was like, he's never. Ever gonna convince <laughs> me that cold showers are a good idea? I'm never doing that. And now, yeah. literally, literally, I have decided that I might think about it.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna, all right. I'm, I have some strategies I can send you. Okay. But yeah, it's it's because yeah.
2: I can completely see the benefits. Of you know, that constriction and release of the the blood vessels and how that makes so much sense. And it doesn't mean that I'm unsafe because I always can get warm. and we do get lost in the mm-hmm. story loop of I'm just cold, I'm just cold. I'm just cold. I'm mm-hmm. but the truth is, I can be warm, and you're right. And so, yeah. I see the physical benefits of that. And we accidentally do things like sing in the car. Like I when I'm in my car yeah. by myself, I sing ridiculously off-tune by myself but loud oh. and I feel of so course. good about it. Like mm-hmm. that makes me yeah. that's a healer for me. So when we close the story loop, that's that's mm-hmm. the other thing and that's what you were yeah. talking about I think is Making a stressful situation safe by getting it out of our brain and making it a closing the story loop, making it more real in terms of not just the feelings, but now we're putting it into a conscious narrative, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, and some activities to Mm self-regulate and we're never going to be perfect at it. It's a constant, oh, no. it's a constant journey and an exercise or practice that we do. Yep. But we can mm-hmm. all pick our practices and change our practices. And that is what being resilient is and overcoming uh, adversity in healthy ways. Yep. So cold showers, here What's, I come.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> one simple way that I actually I actually do this with a couple of my clients is I have them grab an ice cube and I and I just let them hold it. In their hand, and it's it's much less shocking than a cold shower. But you just learn to the rest of your body's fine. But you start learning that to to identify what sensation and what is story.
2: Oh, I love that. Oh and my then, gosh! And then
1: and just and just let that that pain. Honestly, pain's not bad. But if we're able to just feel the sensation of the pain and realize that we are safe, that we're okay, it's much more manageable.
2: Oh, that, um, that's good. That's yes. so good. Oh, yes. Seth, this was such a fun show. So it was so fun. Yes. Thanks so much for all of your insights into this really difficult way of talking about our brain and our body and how it all is interrelated. But it's been a great day. And I hope you have a fabulous weekend chopping wood. And <laughs> yeah, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I hope you go out and leave a life print. And until next time, take a cold shower. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now go leave a life print.
0: Thank you for listening to this special episode of Delusional Optimism, brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and every neighborhood partnership. We hope you're encouraged by Dr. B's message and find her tips helpful for managing life stressors and building a more resilient self. For more episodes in this special series, please visit St. Agnes Medical Center's website at www.samc.com. This episode is produced and published by the editing team at Truthwork Media. Truthwork Media is a full-fledged podcasting and social media agency located in South Bend, Indiana with clients all around the world. For more information, visit them at truthworkmedia.com. These materials and all discussions of these materials are for educational purposes only and do not constitute medical or mental health advice. The presenter is not a licensed mental health or medical service provider. If you need medical or mental health care or advice, you should contact your doctor or therapist or you can contact your insurance company for a referral. This show and all of its contents are copyright 2020 Dr. B. Leave a Life print. Reproduction or use requires written consent of Dr. Kristen Beasley.